It is Friday, August 7th, 2020, and you are listening to the Federalist Forum, a constitutional think tank for every patriotic American. Hey, we are going to talk about the upcoming election, knowing what your elected representatives are up to, and the overinflated coronavirus numbers, coming up on the Federalist Forum. Good morning, patriots. How is everyone today? I hope today finds you safe, healthy, and still in the fight for the survival of our constitutional republic. I'm your host, Tom, and thank you for tuning into the Federalist Forum. Hey, there's a lot to get to today in what I try to make an accelerated podcast. Uh, most people don't want to listen to me go on for more than about 15 minutes, so we'll jump right in. But first, my condolences to the eight Marines and one sailor killed in the training accident last week, Thursday. Uh, Marines are a determined breed and the best at what we do. We fight like we train and we train like we fight. And the tragic cost of this is sometimes the loss of life during that training. So Semper Fi until Valhalla brothers. I hope your family and friends are able to cherish the memories they have and that your heroism lives on in all of our hearts and our ambitions forever. This incident is a reminder that while politicians pander and celebrities throw their garbage opinions around, and society seems to mourn them with grand parades. We forget there are Americans out there, courageous and dedicated men and women who are providing an actual service to our country at the risk of their lives every day. Those Marines and that sailor deserve the week-long tribute in the media, but instead we have to listen to pie faces like that hag on Morning Joe trash their commander-in-chief. Okay, this week... I want to tell you, I spent several hours researching numbers associated with COVID-19 after seeing a political article that ranked states in terms of cases, among other things. And yes, most of us on the right would downplay anything by Politico immediately. But I, as I've said in previous podcasts, I think it's very important to read things that are outside of our, our circle normally, outside of what some would call an echo chamber. Uh, just to see what perspectives are out there. It's it's important, and I think you can't make a fully objective opinion without at least hearing the other side. But anyway, uh, did I discover a few very public points that are not getting the attention they should? And first off, the political ar- article was, was garbage. And after I dumped all of their data into a spreadsheet, I went through the CDC website and then the individual departments of health for every single U.S. state uh, to dump those into the spreadsheet and cross-reference the numbers. And in more than one case, Politico had inflated the numbers for Republican-led states. Uh, Florida and Mississippi are just a couple of the states that they reported numbers higher than either the CDC or the state's health department had reported. So it's unfortunate that they do that because they often attack you know, GOP leadership as playing politics with people's lives, and, and that's precisely what what they've done it's no surprise to any of us but it's the proof is is out there i want you to keep in mind as i talk here a little bit that my research was a snapshot in time as these numbers are changing daily of course but it was an enlightening exercise and let me tell you the cdc is reporting a number of positive cases that is almost 60,000 higher than the actual number of positive tests listen to this in the case of at least 22 states they are also recording probable cases in the positive test pool. Those states are Alabama, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Idaho, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, 
Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. In each of these states, the number of positive cases reported includes subjective criteria that do not include an actual test for COVID-19. 60,000 of them. And that's just what we know. So what are probable cases? Because that's what the CDC is adding into these cases. And in the case of uh, Wisconsin, our positive test results are 56,000. Well, the CDC has tacked on at least another 4,500 in what they call probable cases. Well, if you go to the CDC's website, you can do this, by the way. You can, track, you can check this information out, and you should check it out. If you go to the CDC's website and go to the FAQ page for COVID, they define what probable cases are. One of the criteria is meets clinical criteria and epidemiological evidence with no confirmatory laboratory testing performed for COVID-19. This means if you call your doctor and have a cold or flu symptoms, you'll only have to have two of a long list of symptoms. It may have possibly been in contact with someone who had COVID or been in contact with someone else who had maybe been in contact with somebody with COVID. You are counted as a positive case without a test to confirm. That is absolute crap. And just wait. I mean, the second one is even more outrageous. It says, meets a presumptive laboratory evidence and, and either clinical criteria or epidemiological evidence. The first part of this, the presumptive laboratory evidence, is a test result that shows you may have the antibodies from an infection with the virus that causes COVID-19. However, and this is language straight from the CDC, you can look it up. However, there is a chance that that positive result means you have the antibodies from an infection with a virus from the same family of coronaviruses, coronaviruses, even one such as that of the common cold. Those are considered positive numbers. So you could have antibodies to something you've developed in the past in the coronavirus family, even a common cold, and if they see those antigens and they're testing, they will count that as a positive COVID case. The second part, the epidemiological evidence, is even more ridiculous. It's close contact with a confirmed or probable case of COVID-19 or close contact with a person that had a compatible illness or linkage to a confirmed case of the COVID-19 disease or travel to or residence in an area with sustained or ongoing community transition of this. What that's basically saying is that if you're found in the contact tracing process of someone who has had COVID within 14 days, you're considered a positive case without even testing you. Listen, you need to go to the CDC's website and check this out, and you need to ask your local officials why this is being done. The CDC has an interactive map. Everything I'm sharing with you is on the CDC's website. You can go look at this stuff up. It's there. It's official. We need to be asking ourselves, why, are we, why is this story hidden? Because these numbers are all inflated without actual positive tests confirming them. The CDC has an interactive map of the U.S., and if you scroll over the states, um, for 22 of the states I mentioned, it will show the positive tests and the probable cases. But both numbers are combined and are included in the total case numbers. It's, it blows my mind. We should also ask, what about the other 28 states? Why do we not have a number of actual versus probable cases for those states? How inflated are those numbers? Folks, this is serious stuff. It greatly overstates the actual number of positive cases, which is the entire driving point behind things like mask mandates, state closures, and the economic disaster that we'll be facing for the next 75 years at least because of what this has caused us. We are being lied to. I'm pretty pissed off that those we elected on either side, both sides, 
aren't more transparent about this, nor is the media. We the people, and I'm sorry for my language here, but we the goddamn people, we, our government for buying of the people. This is ours, and we must take it back. Unfortunately, we have to do this by pushing back not only on our government, but the half of the country who've become credulous and fearful sheep. But we have to do it. We have, the, we have to fight all of them. If we don't, we lose our country. Which brings me to my next topic today, and that's the topic of presidential succession. Joe Biden, should he get elected, I guarantee you will resign within his first year of office due to his lack of mental acuity. He will hand off the presidency to the vice president, who is currently being vetted and prepped by the DNC, not Joe Biden. That person will inevitably be, inevitably be president and appoint for Congress's approval an even more radical VP to fill their space. And if the Democrats maintain the House and by some chance gain a Senate majority, they will own the entire line of succession to the presidency, all 18 spots. Even more concerning, they will have the ability to expand the Supreme Court to increase the number of justices, appointing liberal justices and gaining a majority of the nation's highest court just by expanding the number of justices on the court. Very underhanded, but they will do it. They've made it known that they want to do that. You want to talk about fascism? We haven't seen anything yet. Imagine a country full of authoritarian dictators like Gavin Newsom, Bill de Blasio, or Chuck Schumer. We are dead as a nation if that happens. There is so much at stake with this election. And a Biden presidency is guaranteed to fill the cabinet with some of these inept and irresponsible governors. It opens Pandora's box for when Biden steps down, and he will step down. He can barely make it out of the basement right now, and that's not knocking the guy. He's sick. And those trying to push him to be in office are sick in another way for taking advantage of somebody who's obviously suffering from the advanced stages of age. You know, this all opens the door for his VP and eventual VP to occupy the White House and effectively shred the United States Constitution even more than they already have. Now, there is some speculation that Biden would announce Barack Obama, Barack Obama as VP, and he cannot. Not only has he already backed himself into a corner by announcing it will be a black female, uh, you know, because what the person is has more merit than who a person is to the Democrats, but... Obama is prevented from holding that office by a combination of at least four amendments to our Constitution, specifically the 12th, 20th, 22nd, and 25th Amendments in concert, in some way um, intertwine the language that prevents Barack Obama from ever holding that position. So that's not going to happen. Michelle Obama could, and I would not be surprised to see that happen. Uh, our founding fathers were remarkably intelligent when putting our country's framework together. They had the foresight to put in place a system that could sustain and endure the test of time. What they could never have expected is today's Democrats. They could never have expected a group of people so ungrateful, so greedy and incompetent, so full of hate and ignorance, so entitled, so emotionally impulsive and averse to truth and logic, that their willfully malicious and short-sighted behavior would crumble everything that was sacrificed to give birth to our country. Friends, it's important we continue to voice our opinions. We have to keep voicing them loudly and proudly with conviction and refusal to walk them back. Hey, last week, I shared a great resource for shifting your spending from liberal supporting businesses to conservative supporting businesses. Goods Unite Us. If you missed me last week, you can go to their website, goodsunitus.com, or download their app. It's a very cool app, too. It sorts industries and brands by their political contributions. It is a fantastic, fantastic way to see 
who supports conservatives more than Democrats and to adjust your spending uh, in ways that you can gear it more towards the businesses that are supporting GOP candidates. This week I want to offer you another resource, an easy resource to see exactly how your elected officials at every level are acting on your behalf. On Point is an application by the Vote Smart platform. It sorts items by their topic, uh, and then it allows you to drill down into the text and content of legislation and how your officials have voted or communicated on them. This is a very important tool in what I'm going to suggest next. A few weeks ago, I talked about building profiles of your school boards. Now it's time to do the same with your state and federal representatives. Use the same simple methods I previously discussed with agenda uh, regarding the school boards to outline the behavioral patterns of your elected officials. Compare and contrast their campaign promises to their actual behaviors. You can download the OnPoint app by VoteSmart for both iPhone and Android, or on your desktop, just go to votesmart.org. Additionally, if you go to my website, www.exposingliberalbs.com and click Our Government from the top menu. You can get your eyes on pending legislation right now. I have the RSS feeds for both the House of Representatives and the Senate, as well as the White House, fed to that page. If there's any legislation pending at any one of those stages in a law becoming a bill, or a bill becoming a law, and backwards there, uh, it will link there. And there's a bunch of other neat stuff on that page as well. Uh, and if it says that uh, the link is dead or that there's uh, no information it just means that there isn't currently anything in that specific house um, that's being voted upon so you can see what's pending and then you can go to the on point app and see if there's any official correspondence on the matter from your representative i'm making this government stuff as easy as i can for you because it is so important we know what's going on and we can track it. We can't rely on the media to, give, media to give us the truth, and we sure as hell can't rely on politicians to give us the truth. We alone are responsible for uncovering the truth. I could go on and on today, but I don't want to take your attention away from the coronavirus information. I don't want to stray too far from where I started uh, a few minutes ago. There is so much information coming at us. It is important that we, the people, become the investigative journalists again. We cannot trust those feeding us the information. Their bias and their ridiculous narratives uh, have shredded their integrity. I really hope today's show has been an insightful and helpful one for you. If you agree, please share it with your friends. Please take the time to offer a review of the show on your preferred listening platform. It means a lot to me, but bigger and more important than that, the more people who get this message, the more people that hear it and can go verify for themselves, the broader and stronger that message gets and the more consistent our actions and the effects of those actions will be. We have to fight this together. Patriots, we have to act. We have been passive for too long. We have to raise the volume of our voice and stay united in a message. We have to take the actions we can to stop the liberal, liberal indoctrination of our youth. We have to proudly display our colors. We have to know what our government is doing. It is so important that we return to patriotism and not allow the left to silence it anymore. I hope you all have a wonderful and productive weekend. I'm always looking to have guests on my show. If you're interested, send me a message on Parlor. My handle is at ExposingLibsBS or drop me an email at ExposingLiberalBS at gmail.com. Uh, friends, it is time for all of us to passionately take action, and we people have a proud history of doing just that.
You've been listening to the Federalist Forum. Thank you for your listenership and for your patriotism as we fight together to preserve the founding principles of our constitutional republic. Until next time, sapientia est potentia. Wisdom is power.